All right. So you want to get started, or do you want to riff? Around, you want to riff around a little bit first. Let's let's riff around just a, just for a minute, All and right. then. I knew sure. that you were going to do the Kenning game, but I didn't know any details. And there's a student who asked me a question from my online class two days ago, and I intentionally haven't answered her yet. Good. Because in looking up the answer to her question, I might accidentally run across a Kenning and thus remind myself. So I, I have sequestered myself from all Kenning knowledge. But there is one thing that you've got going for you, and that is what, my unbelievably that? terrible memory. <laughs> Recorded in our Nerdhaven studios, this is Pop Medieval, your host, Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McIntyre, discussing the intersection of medieval literature and pop culture on a semi-weekly basis. And now, back to your podcast. All right, uh, we're ready. Uh, you ready to do what? this? Let's okay. do it. Let's do it. Let's what, do it. Nina? No. What, Doc? What's you want me up, to do that doc? again? Yes, do it. All right, here we go. What, Nina? Go. What, Doc? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, listeners, uh, uh, you're, this is like the third time we've done that opening. So I guess mm-hmm. one of these will be worth using. Oh, we're going to be perfect soon. We're going we're gonna to nail it. So the thing we're going to talk about at first today is going to be thing. Thing. Yes. Yeah, so what thing? That's a good question. So what is, how would you define thing? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, well, in the mafia, well, there's no such thing as the mafia. There's just a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've seen enough of The Sopranos to know there is no such thing as the mafia. There's just a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when two people are hesitant to define their romantic relationship, they have a thing. Mm-hmm. They don't have they don't have a partnership. They don't have a dating life. They just have a thing. Um, it is also a horror movie, a very good horror movie by John Carpenter with uh, Kurt Russell and Keith David. Um, and Wilford Brimley. Uh, it's about a yeah. It's about a, a shape shifting alien at a mm-hmm. uh, outpost in Antarctica. Um, it's something very inappropriate that I will not say on this podcast because we have an, it's an educational podcast and uh, it is not another Friday night at, at my house where we're sipping scotch <laughs> and watching a bad movie. Um, and also I know it is literally everything else. Like um, I refer to a thing as uh, my car, uh, a fork, uh, when I forget my dog's name. Um, uh, that's how often I use the word thing. It is pretty much just everything that's what everything a thing, thing is thing is everything thing thing is everything thing is probably the most ubiquitous word in my lexicon that i have yeah thing is really interesting there's in linguistics there's a pro, there so words change all the time constantly mm-hmm. changing but there are some patterns that we talk about for words changing and one of those patterns or the flip side uh, uh, of one coin is uh, generalization and specialization. And what happens with specialization is sometimes a word has a speci- has a general meaning, but it comes to mean something very specific or at least more specific than before. And the process of generalization is sometimes a word has a ge- has a, a more specific meaning and over the course of, of time it comes to broaden out to have a more general, uh, meaning. 
So for example, uh, what would be a good example of this besides thing? Um, so as I recall, I should have probably looked this up in this high, <laughs> highly, highly scripted podcast. As I recall, Again, the word, professionals. yeah, the word aisle referred to the spaces between pews in the church. And it's generalized, right. so no aisle is the space between any two sections of seating, regardless if it's in a church or not. Like um, in a grocery store. Yes, like a grocery aisle yeah. or aisles in a movie theater or whatever. So that would be generalization. It's hard to imagine a word that has been more generalized than thing. Um, and it continues to change. So, for example, a meaning of thing, which is... It keeps moving into more areas. So a meaning of thing that is kind of newer uh, is when you say it's a blank thing. So uh, I was literally talking today with someone about Tim Hortons. Uh, our Canadian listeners, please don't send me hate mail. Uh, or you can send it. I don't care. I just won't read it. Um, and, you know, Tim Hortons, the coffee shop uh, and mm -hmm. the Canadian coffee shop. And the person I was talking to said we were discussing that it was, in our American view, okay, but we didn't really understand why it was so, uh, why Canadians are so into it. And I can't remember if she said it or I said it, but one of us said, well, it's this Canadian thing. And it simply meant that there's something about being That's Canadian – you have to be Canadian to really understand why Tim Hortons is so important uh, to them. But, uh, you know, because of all these Viking shows that have become super popular, people now, I think, realize that Thing didn't always have this really, really broad meaning. Uh, it was a kind of uh, like a legal designation, partly. And so, like, in... The early Middle Ages, the word thing uh, in like Old Norse and Icelandic and these meant a kind of like legal proceeding. And so maybe people know about the all thing, which is when all the leaders get together in a region to talk about, uh, you know, to talk about the issues, the legal issues or whatever. That's so it's a gathering. Um, yes. But interestingly enough, the word thing already then had started to spread out. So, for example, uh, the word. So there's a, a so someone who would be your follower or someone who's in your 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 group would be called your thing man, your thing man. So the thing man is a person who would be on your side in anything, in any such legal situation. Um, and so. Uh, I actually started to wonder if the word thing, the word, it, it's similar to what we mean when we say the word like thane. But, so I thought, well, thane and thing sound pretty close. Are they related? And they are not in any way that I can find related. The word thane seems more connected to a word for young man. It's actually related, related to a word in in uh, Greek, uh, like tech, techno, which is not the same as the same <laughs> root of technology, a different techno uh, uh whereas, or really bad music yes right whereas the thing uh that we're talking about here uh doesn't is not connected in the way but we do we can trace it back we're pretty sure into indo-european um 
which is this really ancient language that a whole ton of, of modern languages come from, you know, uh, Hindi, English, Afrikaans, French, Portuguese, Latin, Greek, Russian, all these languages come from this, uh, this older language of Indo-European. And the root of this seems to have to do with time, a unit of time. Um, I think maybe the word tempus in, uh, in Latin time might also descend from it. So a thing, uh, a thing is more about the event rather than the place, even though someone might say we're going to the thing. What they're saying is we're going to not the place, but where this event will take place. But now thing refers to, as you said, everything, everything, everything. And every object can be a thing. I don't know if, is there a, a single noun that cannot be, I, I don't think there's any kind of noun person, uh, 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 any kind of noun. I guess a person place, you can't really call a person a thing. You can't call a place a thing, but any other kind of object or idea you can call a thing, right? Pretty much, yeah. That covers about everything. Literally. All right. So Engineer Mike has just interjected that stuff cannot be a thing. Uh, so I uh, was telling a story a couple years ago to some Chinese scholars about a friend of mine who had gone to pick up some international students years ago. And he, th there were many of them, and they had their, their bags. And he said, okay, go get your stuff. And none of them knew what stuff was. And he had to begin to define stuff. And one of the scholars who I was talking to years later telling the story, she said, but isn't stuff to put something, isn't that a verb? And I said, well, no, stuff can be anything. And in the end, it turned out she got confused about what thing was. Them. I made the word thing not work for them anymore. It was, I broke, I broke the word thing. So... But stuff does literally mean to stuff something into something. Yes. So as a verb, you couldn't say I'm thinging the 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 hay into the or the feathers into the pillow or something. I'm trying to think of what you would stuff that's not called stuffing into a thing, <laughs> into an object. So this is very it's very difficult to talk about this <laughs> without saying the word thing over and over again. So how do we as English speakers get from the word thing, meaning a legal gathering mm -hmm. of people, of men, mm -hmm. to broadly meaning everything in terms of the breakdown of the English language or the creation of the English language. Do you mean what are the steps or why does this happen? Why does this happen? Why does English language change like this? That's a good question. It's not particular to English that this happens. Um, this happens in every language mm -hmm. and it's one of a set like, so, so words can change all sorts of unusual ways, uh, that you wouldn't expect. So a good example, of this would be, um, mouse, the kind of rodent also now means an instrument to operate your computer because of that visual image. Right. So sometimes unexpected changes to words can happen or, a connection between a word and uh, like an inventor whose name means something can be connected to another thing. Uh, uh, but, but there are some, some common changes. 
Uh, specialization is one and generalization. Um, often mo words will move from something that they are metaphorically connected to uh, or sometimes will jump between senses. Uh, this is called synesthesia. So when you talk about uh, you're feeling blue, uh, mm -hmm. that kind of movement is a common one. Um, Where we get someone saying, well, I can smell sounds. Yes. Or I can hear yes. colors. Well, there is actually something called synesthesia that is a maybe not even a disorder, but a, a, a different way. A that, condition. That, that, yeah, yeah, a yeah. condition. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. Because for some people, synesthesia is, especially some, certain kinds of musicians, mm -hmm. it's almost a superpower for them. Yeah, uh, uh, genius but, level almost. Yeah, uh, but there is this sort of process of synesthesia that words do. Um, and so often we'll connect something like, so for example, a university will talk about the relationship between town and gown. Well, town, gown in this case means the university. And we associate people in the university wearing gowns with the university itself. Uh, or sometimes a part can come to represent the whole. So for example, we might, if you get a new car, you might say, I got a new set of wheels. Well, obviously you got more than wheels, uh, but, but a synecdoche, I know this one. There you go, right? There's synecdoche yeah. and autonomy. And so these are common ways that language changes. Uh, we're not certain why they change that way, but it seems clear that it's hardwired into the way the human brain connects between ideas and words themselves. Uh, but it makes it, it's not possible for, in most cases, it's not possible for, um, for us to think about a word and say, oh, it will change from X to Y over the long run. Uh, one exception to this is uh, uh, taboo words. Uh, sorry, uh, euphemisms. If you create a euphemism for something, the euphemism itself will become kind of gross or a thing that you don't say. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, words having to do with people being of low IQ, uh, you know, when I was, uh, when I was a child, the youth, so like words like moron and cretin began as, uh, words that were medical terms. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, this then moves to when I was a child, the euphemism that you said to be polite was mentally retarded. Well, now mentally retarded is a thing that you shouldn't call someone, uh, now you would say like mentally challenged or special, um, but I'm already hearing special become pejorated. I'm hearing people call yeah. someone else special as an insult. So you can count on euphemisms eventually becoming pejorated, which means they, they start to develop a bad meaning, uh, you know, uh, and I think, um, and so you can count on that. And there are some things like uh, weirdly words for smells almost always become bad over time. So most mm -hmm. of the words we have for bad smell for, for bad smells were at one time a neutral or even a good word for smell, but now it means something bad. I don't know why. Again, I think that probably has something just to do with the way the brain works, but mm -hmm. uh, Steven Pinker might have something about this, but I, I, I haven't read <laughs> him writing about this. So, uh, but yeah, so why it isn't clear, but it probably has to do with the way that our brains process that information. Interesting. And this all comes back to, or all started with Old English. In this case, it started before Old English, right? Uh, old Germ or in, in Germanic. Um, 
which is the language that words like Germanic is the common ancestral language to Old Norse and Old Icelandic and Old, old Swedish. So all those uh, go back to Germanic and maybe even older than that, maybe even all the way down to Indo-European. Yeah, so the word thing has been around a long time. It's gone through a lot of changes. And I wouldn't th have thought it could continue to generalize until, it, but it, it keeps gobbling up more space. And my, my guess would be that it can't go too much further at, until the point at which it just becomes kind of duck speak and you can't even figure out what someone means uh, when they say thing. But But I wouldn't have guessed it could move into more linguistic space than it already occupies so and it's it's going to generalize it. until all we see on billboards is the word thing yes it'll be the ultimate orwellian duck speak we just say thing thing there we thing, go. thing 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 right yep now is there any yes i was going to say is there any other old english word we want to talk about today um yes uh let's talk about Kennings, which is a word about words. Kennings, yes. yes. Let's talk about Kennings. Kenning, uh, for those of you who are not reading the title here, is K-E-N-N-I-N-G. <laughs> Kennings. Yes. And Kennings are, they are really common in Old English poetry, especially. Um, and there are these kind of figures of speech. They're usually made up, uh, they're kind of, they're usually like compound nouns or, or two parts of something that describe something uh, that describe a simple noun. Uh, and they're, they're ones they're that metaphors. are metaphors. Yeah, yeah, they're metaphors, but they're metaphors that are um, cliche would be wrong. They're conventional. So everyone who hears the metaphor knows what it means. Uh, so for example, if there's a, uh, if I refer, if I talk about, if I say that someone is an ambulance chaser, uh, I don't literally mean he's chasing an ambulance, but you understand the convention of, I'm saying this is a, a lawyer who is looking for, who goes out looking for lawsuits to file, right? Uh, uh, right. Or uh, I guess uh, personal industry, personal in. Ugh. Personal injury attorney. Injury attorney. There we yes. go. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. This area of specialty is tort law. Yes. You there know you anything go. about that? I, I do. Yes. Very, do. very slightly. <laughs> or if I were to say someone is a brown noser, their nose is not indeed covered with feces. They are just very, very, um, shall we say, um, receptive and... Um, See, what's another one of those euphemisms that we were talking about <laughs> earlier? Um, keeping in mind that this is also an educational podcast. Right. Uh, they, they are very much um, comfortable in giving flattery to a certain person. Yes, there we go. There we go. Right. So those would be, and, and, and a kenning is the kind, this kind of thing, which isn't just used in conversation, but which is commonly used in, what was commonly used in Old English poetry. Yes, yeah. and one of the most famous Old English poems is, of course, Beowulf. Maybe the most famous Old English poem. Oh, very much so. So, no. yes, you you threatened me. Uh, I did for the the podcast. Doc, I'm so excited to play this game. Uh, this is very exciting. We're gonna play a game. 
yeah, this is there's this is like why the heavyweight champion doesn't fight people on the streets. Because if he beats them up, he doesn't get everyone's like, well, yeah, you're the heavyweight champion. And if they beat him up, it's ultimate shame. And so there's no way I I can win. I can only stalemate in this. This is very true. And I just quick story, as I told you, is I was digging around for my copy of Seamus Heaney's uh, Beowulf translation, a verse translation. And I bought that copy in high school. And I could not find it, and I'm I'm desperately sad to think that in my last move from my apartment to my current house that I donated it to either a used bookstore or Goodwill, and I am crushed because I, again, I, I once, like you listeners, did go to high school. It was a very, very long time ago. I bought that on a whim thanks to a... A uh, dear English teacher of mine who said I might like it and being a very, very, um, shall we say, uh, not receptive um, <laughs> to flattery uh, teenager that I was, I went out and I, I bought this Beowulf verse translation. It was the dual translation. It was the English on one side and the old English on another. And it was kind of the book that wanted me or made me want to be an English major. And I cannot find that. And I, I maintain that I did not donate that copy. I just cannot find it. But I went out and I bought just the regular Beowulf, a verse translation. It's just the English translation. Uh, today, to make sure I got all the Kennings right. So that is well, where we you, stand today. You can feel good about yourself to know right yes. now out there, there's some poor disadvantaged youth who managed to get your donated copy of Haney Wolf, uh, Seamus Haney's I, Beowulf. And, uh, and is right I now... Hope so. Uh, reading a, a slightly Irish version of this Old English tale. I hope so. And that that's a good point because that's the copy that begins, or that's the translation that begins with so. The what is beginning or begins or is translated into so, not listen. Yes, not behold. So. Not yes. behold, right. but so. So we're talking like, like, we haven't actually introduced what the game is. And in yes, fact, me... I don't actually even know the rules of okay. the game. Because... Okay, so yeah. first, let me tell you the title of this game. Oh, because no. I'm, I'm very proud of this This is, title. by the way, this is the first I'm hearing it. So Yes, that's true. I, I did not tell you. This is a little game I'd like to call Kenning You Dig It. <laughs> Hold on. I might have some alcohol here. I can... Please do not reach into your gin reserves. There's my flask. Ladies and gentlemen, and those of you in between and on the periphery, he's digging into Mm. his reserve gin. All right. Okay. All right. This little game I like to call Kenning You Dig It. It is a true false game. It's only five questions long. I'm going to read a Kenning, supposedly from Heaney's translation of Beowulf. And you're going to tell me if it's indeed a Kenning. If you get it right, you get a point, And I will read you the line number and the passage. Mm-hmm. If you get it wrong, I get a point. And we'll go best out of five. And whoever wins gets, and gets the most points at the end of the game wins a thing. Okay. Now, the, the added degree of difficulty here is his translation is famously it's famously made more irish so very very true yeah. so this is going to be i'm i'm, I'm giving this now in case i miss all of them and that so way i, I can blame tr- i can blame 
Haney Wolf translation instead of yes. me. Right. So, so one advantage being, you know, Irish is me, but you also have the doctorate in this. So you kind of have another advantage. We're yes. kind of at even, yeah, we're at even playing fields here. I, my mother does not listen to podcasts. Uh, and so there's no threat that she'll listen to this because me me arguing that I wouldn't understand something because it's Irish would probably get me in trouble at the next family gathering. So, okay. Yeah. Well, so I'll, I'm going to blame the Irishness of it unless I get them all right, in which case it's it's all the corned beef and cabbage that I eat uh, mm -hmm. that that well has given this advantage to me. All I have to do is say the name Seamus Heaney, and I've got extended family that will just pick up the book. They won't even have to know what Beowulf is, and they'll mm -hmm. read it. So that's I, I just have to summon. I just have to swing Excalibur out of the, the water of Lake Michigan. Actually, it's more Lake Huron now, and they'll come running. <laughs> okay. Right. So, so listeners, and, feel free to play along. Uh, yes, and please. If, if you, you do copy, better than I do, uh, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> tell Nina, don't tell me. Yes, please. please. Actually, don't tell me either because I don't care. <laughs> um, so question one, are you ready to get started? Right. Oh, and, and Engineer Mike is going to record some very embarrassing failure sounds if uh, you get a question wrong. I'm ready for, yes. for the humiliation and shame I'm going to feel. Okay. All right. So question one, mm -hmm. true or false? Mm-hmm. We know about the famous Whale Road Kenning on line 10. And that line goes, in the end, each clan on the outlying coasts beyond the Whale Road had to yield to him and begin to pay tribute. But Sail Road, Sail Road. S-A-I-L? Yes. And that's the only time I'm going to let, I'm going to confirm a spelling, okay? The next time I'm going to oh, confirm sorry, it. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yes, this is, the first, this is the first question now. Sail Road is also a kenning in Heaney's translation. True or false? Um, I, was ho I thought at first you were going to ask about if Whale Road was true, and I thought, yes, this is going to be easy. <laughs> I'm no. going to say it is false. Is that... Do you want to go with that answer? I, that's my final answer. Okay. Well, you were wrong. This is true. Oh, what line are we Yes. On? Okay. This is, this is line 1429. Mm -hmm. Beowulf is about to plunge into the swampy morass that is Grendel's mother's cave. And the Danes have just seen Ashir's head. It's pronounced Ashir, right? Ashira. You don't have to help me. Okay. Ashira. Yeah. Mm -hmm. His head lying nearby. And they look into the swampy morass that uh, Beowulf is about to jump into and describe the scene as there were writhing sea dragons and monsters slouching on slopes by the cliff, serpents and wild things as those that often surface at dawn to roam the sail road and doom uh, the voyage. All right. Oh, Doc, you're not. This is okay, not a good so, start. All right. Okay. One point for me. Or, right. Okay. All right. Question two, true or false, foamy-necked floater is a kenning for ship. Foamy-necked sounds right. The floater is the hard part. There's often talk about foam and the foam of waves. All right, I'm going to go with true. 
that your final answer? That's and my I know final. We're... That's my final okay. answer. All right. No, I'm sorry. That is false. <laughs> Doc, come on. <laughs> so I, maybe it's time to okay. confess that I actually received my PhD uh, from a little-known school uh, in Grenada. Um, <laughs> I got it cool. in the 80s, right? <laughs> this is not, okay. Just so before this invasion, right? This is not a kenning for ship in the Heaney translation. This is actually a kenning for ship by our own Edward Risden's translation. Uh. And I liked this a whole lot better than Heaney's. And this is, yes, this is, it, this is from, okay. So I'm going to blame, I'm going to blame my love for Ed Risden's translation. Okay. Because yes. his was so much better than Heaney's. I will, I will give, you know, rest in peace, Seamus Heaney. I was very sad when Seamus Heaney died, but okay. This starts around line two, uh, yeah, 215. Okay. The mm -hmm. line in Seamus Heaney is, um, over the waves with the wind behind her and foam at her neck. She flew like a bird until her curved prow had covered the distance and it goes on. Uh, this is how our own Dr. Risden translated it. Uh, the men shoved off on a longed-for adventure in the well-braced ship and uh, embarked over the waveway, urged by the wind, the foamy-necked floater most like a bird. And I thought right. that was so much better. I found that when I was composing this, and that was so much better. So you're 2-0 and o right now. Yeah, I'm... Uh... I'm really proud of what I've been doing here so far. <laughs> All right. Question All right. three. Okay. All right. Go, question go three. on. I'm ready for more okay. ritual humiliation. Okay. <laughs> Let me get to this part in the book. All right. Question three. True or false? Mm -hmm. Death provoker is a kenning for the thief who stole the goblet. From the Dragon's Horde. I'm going to say true. Is that your final answer? Sure. Doc. <laughs> Doc. <laughs> Doc. <laughs> Are you sure you have a PhD in this? Well, here was my reasoning for that one. Okay. My reasoning for that one was it sounded wrong. And I thought, aha, I've been going what sounded right before, and I was wrong both times. So she's being <laughs> tricky. So now, since that one, because I thought provoker didn't sound, that does that sounds too Latinate for Haney's translation. So, but, yeah. So your okay. answer is? My answer, answer is true. Is, okay, no, it's false. I made that one up. <laughs> that is one I just wrote. Yes. Okay. So false. Although the damage to the folio begins around 2225 and may at one point contain the kenning of death provoker. Well, I mean, that, <laughs> that is where the, yes. that is the answer to where all of these come from. Yes, of course. You know, uh, you know, it, not everyone has the knowledge of the original manuscript that I have. Yes, that's true. <laughs> it does not appear in the text death provoker. There is an instance of a thief being called a treasure giver. Uh, twenty three eleven. Well, the thief was called a treasure giver in Haney's translation. Yeah, it. I believe so. Yes. Yeah, so well, that's in, interesting. Normally, yes. that would be a thing for a king or a lord who's giving treasure. So 
Yes, it says uh, on uh, the first to suffer, and this is right around 2311. The first to suffer were the people on the land, but before long, it was their treasure giver who would come to grief. All right. And this okay. is this is a fun fact. This is a, a really fun fact. This is just a few lines before my favorite Kenning in the book for the dragon, which is Vile Skywinger, hmm. which is on 2314. Yeah, they call the but dragon you're, Vile Skywinger. You're not going to ask me that one. No, you know I'm not why you're not going to ask me that one? Because you would have guessed. I would have one. known that one. Yes, yes, that one I would have known because it's really <laughs> cool. Yes, that one yeah. is is pretty awesome. It's like a a, a Megadeth album. <laughs> Skywinger. Yes. All right. So you're you pretty much lost this quiz, but or this this. Game, How many total questions are there? There's only five. We're going best okay, out of five. So I'm already. Okay. See, so we're. Now, now it's to see how much shame I'm heaping on yes. my head. Yes. Okay. So last two well, questions. Well, are... I've lost, but our listeners yes. might be winning. That's true. Right. Okay. So yeah, they still have All a right. chance to win. Okay. I'm so just question... trying to make them look good. Oops. That, there you go. Question four: True or false? Heather Stepper is a kenning for a deer. I'm going to say Heather Stepper is a yes. I'm going to say true. The 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 thing I'm not certain about is for a deer, but I'm going to say yes, Heather Stepper. Uh, this is true. You got yeah, that. Yeah. Yes. Right. There you go. If only I had put that question three, you would have still have been in the running. But yeah. yes, this this is around line or this is on line thirteen sixty eight, and this is where Beowulf is describing how to find Grendel's mother's lair. And this is, and I will read the passage, it is talking about at night there, something uncanny happens. The water burns. And the mere bottom has never been surrounded by the sons of men. On its bank, the heather stepper halts. The heart in flight from pursuing hounds will turn to face them with firm set horns and die in the wood rather than dive beneath its surface. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that one, that sounded very... That sounded very Haney-ish and yeah. very Beowulfish at the same time. So yes, uh, yes, so that that one I that one was a little easier for me. Yes, and I I'm pretty sure it was a deer. I'm hoping I don't get any emails about that, but it because it was paired no, with heart. No, I think heart. it is. It's a heart. Yeah, H A R T. I think that's yeah. right. Um, and then the final question: True or false? Swamp thing from hell. Is a kenning for Grendel's mother. Oh gosh! Wow. the The great part about that is that that is that is an excellent answer for both. Um, because I could very easily see some parts where she would be swamp thing from hell. Okay, I'm going to say that is true. And you're right. It is hey, true. Hey, all right. Yeah, there we go. All right. So this is used in Beowulf's fight with Grendel's mother and appears in line 1518. And it is pretty much my favorite passage because it, it goes like this. Um, Better than Skywinger? It, it, well, that's my favorite Kenning, but this is okay. my favorite passage, this whole fight here. Um, the hero observed that swamp thing from hell, the Tarn Hag. In all her terrible strength, then heaved his war sword and swung his arm. The decorated blade 
came down, ringing and singing on her head. And I thought, Swamp Thing from Hell, that ties in with our earlier discussion. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, good, yeah. good ending. That was actually, I thought that that was right. I thought I remembered it from the translation. Yeah. But it tied in so nicely, I thought, oh, maybe she made it up just so it would tie <laughs> in. Yes, well, that was, uh, that didn't do anything for my professional reputation there. It that, did that not, did not, but no. it, it humanized you. That's what it did. Yes, that's, that's what I needed more than anything else. Mm-hmm. So I, I expect that, uh, I expect that uh, the next time I get in any sort of trouble, I'll get hauled before HR when they're trying to decide what to do with me. This will be played as evidence of my complete incompetence. Well, you can refer to yourself as either a death provoker or a swamp thing from hell. And I'm sure you'll be left off the hook. I'd like to be called a Skywinger, but I can't really come up with a good justification <laughs> for that. I, I think really... that justifies itself. Yeah. Self-justifying. Self-evident. There you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, do we have any recommendations or things to plug? Uh, well, I, as always, want to recommend Seamus Heaney's translation of Beowulf. And mm-hmm. if you can get your hands on a copy of it, well, you can because it's one of the most popular translations of all time. Um, the dual translation, the English on one side and the Old English on the other. So you can kind of tr- teach yourself Old English at the same time, or at least look at what our language used to be before it became modern English. Um, it was a very important book to me when I was in high school, and it served me well when I took Old English in your class. So yeah. get your hand on it, and don't give it away like I probably did. Lay on it like a dragon laying on its book hoard. Don't ever get rid of it. <laughs> so I have first a recommendation and then a plug. So there you the go. recommendation is for another podcast uh, the Saga Thing pro- podcast. The Ooh. Saga Thing podcast is just a lot of fun. It's a couple of uh, guys who's, gosh, I cannot remember their names suddenly, uh, but they are both, you know, they, they both are very knowledgeable in sagas, quite a bit more than I am. Uh, mm-hmm. And in addition to sort of talking about the saga, they play, every time they play these little games where they they hold a little thing where they vote someone into outlawry. So they essentially ban- banish the, the person for what they did. They, they decide who has the best nickname. Uh, the sagas, the characters have all sorts of cool nicknames. Uh, they, each one chooses someone to be their thing man. It's kind of like they're playing a, uh, uh, like, they're, like they're playing some sort of, uh, you know, fantasy fantasy saga league or something, except they, as far as I could tell, they they don't actually get around to fighting each other with their thing. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I haven't just gotten far enough in it. Cause I haven't listened to them all. Um, uh, so yeah, they do body counts. Uh, they, they go through a lot of fun stuff uh, in these and that's called the saga thing podcast. Uh, I do recommend it. It's really a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think in the, one of the early episodes, they might actually talk about the origins of the word thing and go specifically into how the word thing works in different, the different iterations of the word thing. As for a plug, I actually want to plug one of uh, Wittan's books, uh, Droughts Quick and Easy Old English. 
It's really popular. Yes, it's really popular. And it is designed to take you from no knowledge to learning a little bit about old English. And so when you get that fit that, uh, you know, dual edition of uh, Haney's Beowulf or whatever, uh, you'll be able to look at the Kennings and you'll be able to understand them a little bit better. Uh, yeah, Droughts Quick and Easy Old English. Uh, it's available in all fine online booksellers and it's super popular. Uh, so, yeah, that would be what I would plug. It's a really good Always book. helpful, uh, too. Yes. And Michael Drought is a really uh, great guy. Oh, and of course, we've been talking about the other plug we need to do, which is, of course, Ed Risden's uh, Beowulf, where you took the better, you know, the one where you, I did. you preferred the Kenning from it. How could we not? His Kenning was much uh, better than one? Heaney's, yeah. Yeah, so that's Edward Risden, R-I-S-D-E-N. Didn't D-E-N. we play him last time? I can't we remember. We did, now. and you okay. know what? It, let's do it again. Why not? These could also be out of order, so. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so Ed Risden's uh, Beowulf is, uh, re- uh, a, it's a student edition. It's really good. And uh, as you can tell, he's got some really cool Kennings in his. He does. Yes. All so right. anything else for the uh, for the end of our saga here today? I uh, just wanted to remind everyone that I won that game, and uh, which means uh, I think I win this podcast for today, too. You win the podcast. And if anyone out there is looking to hire a soon-to-be unemployed uh, medievalist, uh, just hit me up. Don't and, hire him. Uh, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to say uh, that out loud. It was rigged. I was, uh, it's like, this was like a carnival game of some kind, right? The, mm. the site was I'm just really off. good at finding these Kennings and then writing a really good one. Yes. So. That's all it was. Yeah. So, uh, life is, life is full of woe and I just experienced some. Mm. Yeah. Ass kicker. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, with, Kenning. <laughs> with that fine Kenning, I want to bid you West Through Hall, Nina. West Through Hall, Doc. Pop Medieval was recorded in our Nerd Haven studio. Your hosts are Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina Matthews. Our audio engineer is Engineer Mike. Original music provided by Dr. John Jinnick. For more information, visit our website at profawesome.com slash popmedieval. That's P-R-O-F-A-W-E-S-O-M-E dot com slash popmedieval. Thank you for listening.